Works Hispanic Heritage Month. I am Isabella Raigosa, an editor and producer with 10 years of experience in Latin music journalism. Cloudbar is an educational platform that seeks to offer information and resources to our SoundCloud creative community, where we feature key executives, artists, managers, and influencers as panelists. Hispanic Heritage Month is a time to recognize and celebrate the many contributions of the American Latinx community in addition to identifying and celebrating our diverse cultures and extensive histories. Today's three panel Cloud Bar series will focus on the evolution of Latin music. And we also have a special keynote at the end of our panels. For our first panel discussion titled, How Latin Music Has Been Infiltrating the American Mainstream, features two amazing women in media, three, uh, that have impacted Latin culture in, on a global scale. So without further ado, uh, I will introduce to you Jennifer Velez, music journalist and staff writer for the Recording Academy slash Grammys.com. Jennifer has written for numerous publications and outlets such as Remescla, NPR, and others. And we also have Nuria. Nuria Net is a journalist, podcaster, and co-founder of La Coctelera Music. And she's also a co-founder of New York's influential Latinx publication, Remescla. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for having, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Can you, you please also tell us a little bit about your background, uh, just how, who you are, uh, what, what else you guys contribute to so the audience can get familiar with your current work and where you guys come from. We'll start with uh, Jennifer. Hi, thanks again for having me. I'm so happy to be on this panel talking to you about amazing things going on in Latin music with these amazing ladies. Um, I have been writing about music since 2014. Uh, I actually began uh, freelancing for Remezcla, which couldn't have been without Nuria. So thank you so much, Nuria, for giving us, giving me the, that place to start off. Um, I freelanced for Bustle, Wonderland Magazine, and a whole bunch of other places um, about music and culture. And now I write for Grammy.com. And nice. I didn't know you had written at Remezcla. That's awesome, Jennifer. Well, to talk a, a bit about me, I grew up in Puerto Rico and I went to New York City for college. And that's where I started my career. Uh, the summer after I graduated college, I interned at magazines. That was my goal to work at magazines. But that same summer, at the same time, hey, Leila. <laughs> At the same time, I was doing my internships at magazines. We started a website with some friends that eventually became Remezcla because as Latinas in the city, we needed an outlet, a space to, to learn what was going on in our community in terms of arts, music, and culture. So we created it online. Um, after Remezcla, uh, I also worked at MTV. I worked at Billboard. I, I wrote... Uh, as a freelancer, I also worked at Univision, at the Euphoria platform. Currently, I'm based in Barcelona after many years in New York and then Miami. And now I'm a, a podcast producer. I have my own podcast studio called La Coctelera Music, uh, where I'm delving into storytelling in the podcast uh, format. Telling music stories, but also all, all types of stories. Amazing. And I also want to introduce our third panelist, who is Leila Cobo, VP and Latin industry lead of Billboard, who is also a successful novelist and biographer. Leila has a book coming out on November 10th titled Decoding Despacito, an oral history of Latin music. So welcome. 
very happy to have you here. And Leila, if you can also please uh, give us a little bit about your background, uh, what led you uh, to your career, and anything you want to share with us as an intro. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. And hi, guys. I'm sorry I'm a little late. I, I got slightly confused with my times. <laughs> no worries. So I apologize. But uh, I, I know all of you happily because because we've all collaborated in Billboard in, in some fashion. So it's great to be here. Um, I'm, uh, I'm originally from Colombia. I'm born and raised there. And uh, before I was a uh, a writer or a journalist. I, I was a musician. I'm a classical pianist. And um, and I studied, I have a degree in piano performance from Manhattan School of Music in New York, actually. And uh, but then I pivoted to to journalism, which was my my other great love. And I was just finding looking for ways where I could mix the two. And it so happened that it came it came via my being Latin. Uh, my, my very first job in, in print journalism was at the LA Times. They had a section called Nuestro Tiempo. Back then, they were looking for people who were bilingual, and I was bilingual. And so I kind of lucked into that. And, uh, and from there, I started to look for a way where I could, I could mix the two. So I went afterwards to the Miami Herald as their pop music critic, which was great. You know, Miami is where I live now. And, uh, and a very Latin city, very open to Latin coverage, which is not something that you found before or now in mainstream media, to be quite frank. I know we're going to talk about that. And uh, and then that led to Billboard. And I've been in Billboard for a long time, ah, for forever, it seems. <laughs> but it's it's been a great ride, I have to say. It started as a job where I was supposed to write a column once a week. And it's really evolved. And we've built a great great Latin platform. We have a, a really robust offering of Latin music covering uh, coverage. We get, you know, like over a million and a half unique vis unique visitors a week to the to our Latin vertical alone. And we really do try to cover everything that we can with Latin music with a focus on the charts. And um, I, my pride and joy is the Billboard Latin Music Week, which is this year, it's going to be in October. And and as Isabella said, I have a, a new book coming out. I love writing novels, but this one is a, mu a book on, on Latin music, and it's the oral story of, of 19 great songs. And I'm really excited about it, and I'm really excited to be here. That is so awesome. And each one of you have like really contributed to just the overall impact of uh, having more Latin music just predominantly present in today and in each unique way so again i'm pretty excited to have this conversation um one of the things that i also wanted to discuss uh because the current state that we live in today it's pretty much synonymous with uh, latin pop um uh and pop you know uh latin music so just to reflect back on when all of you started uh, i also am interested to hear about how the landscape looked like uh how, if you can depict the picture of Latin music when you first entered the industry, how did that look like at that time? And and reflect how you've seen it develop since. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. <laughs> um, when I started, I would say it barely existed. It really it was it, it was just not there and and i think that's really informed my career because it made me really want to 
speak about this music and write about this music, and it was very frustrating to me not to see it reflected anywhere. It was very frustrating, I'm sure, to all of us not to see us reflected anywhere. I'm an avid New York Times reader, and it would kill me. There was never anything about Columbia. Colombian music, forget it, you know, and... Uh, and when I started at the LA Times, they did have a Latin writer, I have to say, Enrique Lopetegui. I don't know, Nuria, if you ever worked with Enrique. He's a great writer. So they had that, but even so, it was a struggle. And then I came to the Herald, which is a complete anomaly because it's a very Latin city. But aside from that, I have to say it just wasn't, it, it, it's not that it didn't exist. The music was there. But for the media, it's it was completely non-existent for mainstream media. And today, I it's a complete turnaround, especially, I would say, the last 24 months. Because I wish I could say that it's been steadily rising. It hasn't. I think there's been a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, in the 1999 with Ricky Martin, et cetera. There was a big explosion, and media took note for a little bit, and then it compressed again. And... Since then, I would say since for the last four years, since Despacito, I would say there's been a steady increase in interest. But it's been a, a real struggle. I don't know, at least for me, I don't know what you guys think. For me, so I had my first ever interview with an artist at 17. I won a contest for MTV Tres, and I got to interview Paulina Rubio. So around that time... Um, the bicultural channels were coming up. I mean, Mundos existed, but MTV Tres was that big, that big move where MTV was able to see that there's an audience that they should kind of tune into. Um, I ended up going to college. Um, I didn't mention this, but I, I actually started my journalism career covering immigration and hard news. And my passion has always been in, in music. So when I started to freelance, as I mentioned before, um, for Remezcla around that uh, time, it was, um, 2014, a little bit before Despacito and, and that explosion. So at that time, you know, um, Enrique Iglesias has always been a force in Latin music. He was doing like bailando. Um, Jay Balvin was coming up. He looked so different with um, 6 a.m., if we remember mm -hmm. since. Mm -hmm. such, yeah. a different, such a different Balvin. So um, it, 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 was, it was stirring. I think it was stirring when I was coming up. We didn't know yet what was to come. Um, but it was definitely this excitement around reggaeton getting this new wave and this new force around it with, with um, a lot of Colombian artists. So um, it was definitely present, but I don't think there was as much um, of a cosign from American mainstream media at that time. For me, when I graduated college, you know, for, like I said, I didn't see myself represented in mainstream media. That's one of the reasons why we started Remezcla. Uh, but I was lucky to get an internship at Latina Magazine, and eventually I got a job there. And lucky for me, I mean, I was the assistant to the editor-in-chief, but I was also the music writer. It's a, it was a small magazine, so I got to do many different things. And it just so happens I grew up in Puerto Rico, so for me, Latin music has always been mainstream. I mean, it's just what was around, what was popular. Uh, so I already had deep knowledge of the music just as a fan. Um, so I started covering music for the magazine. It was around the time of Gasolina, 2005. 
Uh, I actually just wrote an essay um, remembering uh, a special reggaeton issue we did at Latina with Daddy Yankee on the cover, March 2006. Um, and I remember, you know, because I grew up in Puerto Rico, I knew, I had heard of all these guys, you know, with Simi Yandel, Don Chesina, Bayirase Gringo. So my editors were like, okay, like Nuria's in charge of, you know, finding this reggaeton people. No one knew much about, but they knew there was buzz around it and they trusted, you know, this young staffer um, with at least getting the package started. So I remember calling my mom in Puerto Rico, asking her to look in the phone book for Yandel Beguilla um, and we found his home number because you know I didn't have any contacts in the industry, so I didn't know labels. I don't even know what labels they had back then. But you know that was my instinct to call my mom in Rio Piedras, and she looked it up. And they were, even though they had been around since the '90s, they were still in the phone book. The Puerto um, Rican connection, right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, lucky for me, I was able to start covering Latin music, you know, at Latina because that was our beat. Um, after Latina, I actually worked at MTV3. <laughs> um, I was part of uh, the radio side of MTV. They had syndicated radio, so I was the MTV3 channel. Um, so I was in charge of going to all the Latin events, all the, all the award shows, blah, blah, blah. So for me, it's always been my main beat, um, but it, it is frustrating to see how, like Leila said, it's been peaks and valleys. But overall, it's always been considered a niche type of music. Even though we are mainstream, we are at the top of the charts, top of the streams globally. Yet, at least in the U.S., it's the, we're still treated uh, like secondary, like niche music. Yeah, and obviously, like we've all experienced that uh, in, in in our career that there was a massive transition since Despacitos. Uh, skyrocketing success and um, I, I mean I would clearly say that a lot of more mainstream media began to pay attention to Latin music they began to look at the numbers they began to see the charts and began to therefore cover more Latin content uh, so I mean in your professional opinion I'm, I'm I'm curious to to ask you all, what do you think was like the magic of Despacito? Because that that is the song that really did transform uh, um, the American mainstream's perspective on Latin music. I, I think, you know, Beaver just jumping on it, you know, I think that was, I remember even my reaction to it was like, wow, you know, like my mouth was like, what? Like, I couldn't fathom a mainstream artist, a superstar like Bieber, jumping on the on a Spanish song. Mm -hmm. You know, that was just a huge, a huge moment. Sorry, Jennifer, go ahead. I definitely see Despacito as that next step after the Latin explosion. That kind of um, sign that it was like, we're here and we're doing great things. As Nuria mentioned, that Bieber co-sign was huge. I mean, Justin Bieber singing in Spanish, like... Come on, like that, that, that's big. Um, I think also the fact that it, it landed right uh, during the right time of the digital evolution where we're seeing YouTube be a massive force in yeah. bringing music to the US and, and globally. So I feel it was, um, it was that cosign. Historically, Latin music has had a huge cosign from rap and, and other uh, aspects of pop culture so i think it was that and the the digital streaming age that gave it the the wings to really be what it could be 
Yeah, I think what Jennifer is saying is exactly right. If it had, because Bailando was also a very big hit, but it came slightly pre-streaming. The streaming was massive and Despacito, I mean, Despacito is a great song. Uh, let, let's, you know, let's start with that. It really is a, a really cool song. It's fun and and you have Daddy Yankee and it's so catchy and it, like everything about it is, is I, I really like it as a song and the video was filmed in Puerto Rico. It was so authentic in that regard and then it was cuatro, a huge right? global hit yeah, the cuatro, cuatro which was a big deal for them to include the, the well despacito is obviously well it's the title of my book so i spoke to luis at length and the whole cuatro was it was a very thought out thing to include mm -hmm. the cuatro but having having the streaming services measuring at that point was huge because it showed that people all over the world were consuming it even before they did it here and, mm -hmm. and Justin Bieber jumping on it, like you say, Nuria, that was so big and that was him. You know, that was mm -hmm. him. It wasn't that someone told him to do it. He was at a club in Colombia. He heard the song and he said, can I do something with this song? So that also shows you that, I don't know, that they move maybe quicker than than everybody else moves. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was that was a big deal. And it's really interesting how you mentioned uh, Bieber jumping in, right? Uh, I actually remember in Coachella in 2018 that the first regional Mexican music act was performing there. That was uh, Los Angeles Azules. And oh my God. Uh, Bieber was spotted dancing cumbia to Los Angeles Azules at Coachella. So, you know, <laughs> that was just a, a very trivial moment that I recall. <laughs> Uh, that, to add really quickly to that, uh, you know, I've been covering Latin music in LA for a while, and um, there are these um, events that Subsuelo, shout out to Subsuelo, does in LA, and he Justin Bieber was spotted in one of those events. There's a picture of it. So wow. I think, you know, it's organic. I think it, it, it's awesome to not have an artist just trying to jump in on a wave, but actually really appreciate our music and take the time to listen to the artist and the movements that are coming out of it. I agree. It's, it's really fascinating because um, I actually was just, even just to uh, go on a slight tangent with rock, how people say, you know what, rock is declining. There's there's not a lot of huge rock stars like back in the day. And right now in that kind of counterpoint, there's hip hop that's rising and rising and rising. There's this hip hop culture that's really going. So uh, what's interesting is that a, a couple artists uh, in hip hop, if they collaborate with like rockers, like Post Malone and then collaborates with Blink-182, then suddenly it gives it gives rock again that kind of validation or that kind of respect or that kind of you know interest and i don't know if i want to say that you know unfortunately i guess for american culture it, it had to take like an american artist to definitely kind of introduce it to a, a larger audience you know what i'm saying uh, but at the same time, like we've have we've already had a movement in Latin music that had already been strong, that had already been, you know, selling out stadiums. Like Los Los Tigres del Norte uh, beat Cardi B on a, a Houston stadium. They sold out the concert. So there there was already mm -hmm. like record breaking numbers with um, artists that were already achieving these insane things. But there was no one to document it or no one to really take a note of the of the uh, streaming numbers, you know? So, but yeah, when you do have like a, a outlets that are measuring numbers, it really does add like a powerful force because a lot of, it, it does give an impression to other people. Like, wait a minute, there's billions and billions of views on Taki Taki. There's billions of views on Despacito. 
there's billions of views on almost uh, Tusa. So, um, so the next uh, conversation that I wanted to talk about is right now, as we already see that Latin music right now is synonymous with uh, currently Latin trap, uh, reggaeton, you know, that, that urbano side of things. Uh, do you think that there are room for other styles, other genres to reach the forefront of, you know, become synonymous with Latin pop? Definitely. I feel like regional is, is going to have a moment. We, we talk about um, collabs. Collabs have been huge in Latin music. They, it, not only just um, within the genre, right? We see a lot of artists collabing with each other in reggaeton, but also, again, to kind of push the music into the mainstream, like the Banda MS Snoop collab. That was amazingly mm -hmm. huge. And um, I think, you know, with um, Corridos Tumbados, um, Trap Corridos, there's definitely a movement there that I think is gaining a lot of momentum and that people should definitely not sleep on. I think Regional is still seen a little bit like as niche, but I think when Snoop Dogg, who is from LA, um, you know, gained the, the love for, for a Regional being from the city, I think him saying, hey, there's this other um, Mexican, there's this other Latin genre, the Mexican Regional that exists that I love, like come listen to it. So I definitely think there is there's a lot of room for it and um, in the mainstream. I, I, you know, I love Regional and Regional actually for years until Urban came full force, like four years ago has, has always been the leading genre in the United States. It's the top selling genre of music, of Latin music, you know, mm -hmm. pre-streams. Uh, I love Regional. I think that that it's going to gain more traction, which is great because there's like this whole new generation, which is doing really interesting stuff. I don't know that it's going to replace Urban, but that's just me, my personal opinion, because I, I also was thinking as you guys were speaking that one of the reasons that the music has also become so international is that that reggaeton dembow beat is so you know it it just travels so easily it's it's so easily assimilated and you don't need to know the language you don't need to understand right. what they're saying you just get up and dance you do your zumba class and uh and that's <laughs> it i think regional is a little bit more challenging i do think it's going to go it's going to become more and more popular i don't know if it's going to become as popular but Hey, yeah. you never know in music. That's that's really the that's why it's fun. You just yeah, don't. and and that's like the exciting part about you know being in this industry. It's that there's things that take turns, right? There's like uh, genres and trends that definitely go on the rise, and then suddenly, hey, wait a minute, what happened to Mumbaton? And then suddenly, <laughs> Taki Taki, like it kind of it infuses some Mumbaton like ingredients in there. So it's kind of interesting how they just suddenly come back again, you know? And I think that's that's pretty fun to uh, see how the variations of different styles. But at the same time, one of the things that I, I've always wanted to highlight, at least in, in my career, is showcasing that Latin music is composed of different styles and different flavors and different rhythms. Yeah. And uh, to communicate that, that it's not, you know, only one singular beat or rhythm. I love that, Isabella, because um, 
at one time, reggaeton was the underdog. You know, it was listened to on the streets, and it was until um, Balvin was able to add more pop to it that it became more attractive to people. So I, I, I love that. I love that people are able, you know, Balvin's on a mission along with Tiny to really um, globalize that sound. So I think there's definitely room for, for any genre. Who knows who's going to come and make it something else? Yeah, and within reggaeton and within each genre to have, you know, more street, more pop, polished, more alternative. I saw that Jay Cortez on Instagram with Buscabulla, who are an indie alternative band from Puerto Rico, you know, they're more known in the Anglo pitchfork world, I feel, that in the Latin side. So, you know, I think those cross-pollinations will happen. You have indie rappers like Alvaro Diaz now also working with Tiny who's cut his teeth, you know, in, in reggaeton. So hopefully each genre will also be able to expand and have variations because it's not, you know, there's so much room within genres. Yeah, and, and now that we're having like more visibility with Latin music and like Latin superstars are definitely, you know, at the forefront, uh, they're gracing the covers. You know, Billboard has been championing, uh, gracing a lot of Latin artists on the covers. And of course, I, I thank wholeheartedly, thank Leila and everyone's contributions here for, for continuing to give that presence. Uh, but I also wanted to ask, now that we're having this visibility, there are a lot of new terms, uh, and this was, this is one also segment that I also wanted to discuss that we're uh, speaking about now, right? Uh, we have Latin X, uh, Latin X to be more inclusive. Uh, I want to hear what your opinion is on the importance of using Latin X when you feature an artist or when you write a story. Uh, what is your perspective on the? consumption and the, I guess, normalization of the word Latinx? I think it depends on the publication, on your audience, and on your own personal preference. I love how the terms like Latinx and urban are opening dialogues. You know, there was that Pew Center study a few weeks ago that said only 3% of Latinos know about the term Latinx. And we both were so quick to say, see, see, that term is fake. Like. Um, but, you know, I think you should listen to the people who are advocating for that term. You know, why do they want to use that term? It's more inclusive. It's not binary. You know, other detractors say, no, it's very American because in Spanish that, that we, we would never use that. Uh, I mean, I think they're all valid points. And it is that conversation that's happening. In terms of urbano and urban, I also think it's very valid to hear the artists and the journalists of color who are saying, you know, let's talk about the racial origins of this of the term you know tyler the creator also said it on the grammys this year that urban was another word for the for the n-word basically within the industry so let's talk about all let's unpack you know all those reasons um i don't think we should just say blanketly you know let's use one term but at least have those conversations going Mm -hmm. I, I very much love what you said, Nuria, because I've been grappling with both terms and, and with with uh, like what I personally, my opinion is, because you're right, you can't say this is right and this is wrong. I really, I, I really reject that stance. I think that that it's great that they've opened the conversation because it's a conversation that that we hadn't had before. I go a lot by the context, like Nuria is saying, 
we in Billboard, we tend to, because we don't have a rule, I, and I hate this whole thing of having like a rule, but uh, when we talk about Latin artists who are from the U.S. who are born and raised here, we tend to give them the term Latinx. Doesn't mean that that's right or wrong, but that's that's been kind of, or that's where we've been moving toward. I do find that the artists that are from the Latin countries, many of them to this day, I'll say, what do you prefer, Latinx or Latin? And they're like, Latinque, Latinx. <laughs> like they don't even know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So I think that their preference has weight. I, I, The one thing I don't like about Latinx is that I do feel that it was imposed upon by someone who doesn't even speak Spanish maybe and who decided this was a great term. I love the inclusivity of it though, I do. But it's not something that people in Latin America are using at all. And, yeah. and, uh, and with urban, I kind of go in the same direction. I ask artists how they want to be referred to. Yeah. And, uh, and for a lot of them, they're urbanos, you mm -hmm. know, or some of them like Balvin will say, yo soy un artista de reggaeton. And so fine, that's how you are. So I defer a lot to them too, to see how they want to be referred. I also love that we're questioning terminology placed on us. I think um, what is not going to work is an, um, an umbrella term that is supposed to encompass Latinx, U.S.-born Latinos and uh, people outside of that uh, because we're such a big population and, and the media and the world has such difficulty understanding us and understanding mm -hmm. that, that we share our language, we're not all the same. I've had conversations with um, artists and people covering this, and um, I think we have to understand that we have commonalities, but there are also differences, but we also are also united. I'm Mexican-American, Chicana, um, and I don't necessarily can relate to everything someone from Puerto Rico, you know, it is a colony. It's such a different experience, you know? Um, but I do love people questioning the term. I wanna um, reinforce that Latinx is not a new term. It was around when I was in college and the X represented indigeneity at that time. That was a conversation, the X to, um, to validate the fact that some of us have indigenous roots. So um, I think the same thing with, with urban, you know, the landscape changes so much and we have to reconsider and um, maybe even change the terms when, when it's done, you know, when, when um, they no longer uh, serve us anymore. Absolutely. That is super interesting. I love everyone's perspective here. I, I hadn't really actually thought of all the points that were made here and, and uh, and I'm glad that these conversations exist now that uh, we definitely, I think it's the right move to always ask an artist like, hey, you, we can't just like put the X there. And it's like, wait a minute, I don't even know what that means. And it's an artist from like Chile, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's definitely always very important to uh, get to know about what, what they represent, you know. Um, so we have uh, 25, over 25 million SoundCloud creators. Uh, and one thing that I also wanted to speak about is what are some of the things that you all look for as writers, editors, podcasters, when ingesting a new artist? Like wh when you select someone to feature, what are some of the qualities that you are looking for? What gives them that factor that interests you to dedicate days, times, weeks writing about an artist? 
Wow, what a great question. We go in, in Billboard, we're very chart-driven. Uh, so we go definitely, if something is happening in the charts, we we look. You know, like Eslabon Armado is an artist that we've been getting information on, uh, but then, wow, they just kind of erupted into the charts. And we were like, wait, 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 what's the deal with Eslabon Armado? And then, you know, we, we found out all about them. We wrote about them. We were very excited about them because we see what they generate. So for me, that the artist is generating something, whether it be chart activity or we measure so many things, you know, we, we measure like what's happening in the social um, you know, in the social world. So they don't have to chart, but I look for a story. What's happening with this artist? Why should we be interested? And then a lot of times we write about stuff that we love, of course. So we, we write a lot about the charts, a lot about those artists making that impact, but we have a, we have a big editorial team. I have to say that Billboard, we're lucky that we, we've been able to build this like whole Latin platform with a whole staff. And, uh, and when someone comes to me and says, you know what, I love this artist, we should be writing about him. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you love him, fine, let's write about him, even if nothing is happening. So what I look for personally is, I can't even tell you, mm -hmm. Isabella, but it's, it's like when I'm listening to the music and I just like stop and say, wait, what is that? Mm -hmm. That's what makes me react to something whether it's the lyrics or whether the song is really well done or whether the voice is great. And it doesn't, the genre doesn't matter. You know, it can be regional Mexican. It can be someone doing corridos. It can be a pop singer. It can be a balladeer. It can be whatever. Like if there's something that grabs me, I, I hear. Yeah. I have to think what's grabbed me lately. So I'll let you guys I'll, I'll think about yeah, it. Yeah, you cannot turn a, a deaf ear to something that's like earwormy and like, wait a minute, you know, once you hear that, like for me, that's also special. And that's one thing that I really enjoy about um, being at SoundCloud that I'm, I'm getting to hear all these new releases and I'm, mm. and I'm getting to hear all these new songs from all these new artists that I'm getting familiar with for the first time. And it's like, wait a minute, like, this is so good. Like, you know, everyone needs to hear this. So that's, that's what's really cool about uh, just, you know, having... I guess uh, th that year, and I think that that's why we're all in in this position because uh, we definitely see an artist with all these all of these elements. Besides, definitely like the charts is something that you can definitely rely on. But but there's nothing that will give you that that hey, I like this. You know, not, there's no way to measure that, and that that's really cool. I love when an artist just has the concept like so redondo. You know, like Rita Indiana just released her her second That's album last week. You know, it's just from the title to each song to her look to her background as a novelist and writer. Um, you know, she's like a unicorn, but uh, just like the concept is is so solid. So I love artists like that that have everything, and they can be independent. You know, they ha they can have no followers, but they have like their vision. They were able to put their vision in into the music, you know, like really strongly. That's always exciting. I agree. I you 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 can't run away from a feeling, you know. If it makes you feel something, <laughs> it to you. Uh, that's definitely one thing. Um, I think also the story behind the artist. 
um, what they're trying to do with an album, how they're navigating the the new landscape with digital and, you know, some, some are independent. So it, you know, honestly, it depends on the publication. Some are chart driven, some are like, who's next? So, um, I think at the core of it is like you 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 gotta have your sound right. You you have to you you have to stand out. One hundred percent. And I I mean and and again like uh, I another thing that I wanted to ask is like who have been those artists for you lately? Maybe within this this year that you feel like wow I definitely really enjoyed you know, writing the story. I really enjoyed listening to this album. Like, who, who are some of the artists that you're currently excited about? Uh, Rita Indiana is definitely a great one, but um, I definitely want to hear yeah. more suggestions. For me, and if you go to my Twitter, you saw me, like, tweet about this the other day, but it's Omar, <laughs> Omar Apollo, who is um, doing stuff in, in, in Latin music, writing songs, um, singing in Spanish, but also in English. And... Talk about like feeling something when I, I just heard Kamikaze the other day and it's just like, who is this person? And they go to find that he made a, a, a reggaeton inspired um, song, um, Frio, uh, in, in late 2019. And it's like, wow, this, this guy's sound, whether it's in English or Spanish, it sounds different and it sounds good. And I want to know who this guy is. I actually did get to interview him for Grammy.com, but from the start, um, Omar Apollo has been very um, open about his parents being immigrants. Um, and I think it was The Fader, I think, had a story on him, a documentary, and following him, his life in, in the Midwest and talking to his dad in Spanish. And that really, really captures my attention. I think seeing an artist who not only brings amazing music, but is reflecting his community in, in, in a way, you know, that like Selena did. Yeah. Um, I think that that is amazing. And I love the fact that more and more um, artists, Kuko, Amber Lucid, um, are sharing their, their stories of, of coming from an immigrant families. Yeah, I, I actually saw Omar Apollo and I had heard his music and everything, but the live experience really did draw me a lot. Like immediately as I was looking at him live, for some reason, I thought of Richie Valens. Like he was like a young Richie Valens, like in 20, 2019, you know? And definitely, I really like that, that he's representing that like bi biculturalism, uh, the, the um, uh, being an American, but also, you know, um, acknowledging his roots and, that's in a whole new element of its own. Like you mentioned, like Selena did that and, and these new cast of characters like Cuco and Amber Lucid. I definitely think it's a really fascinating new new uh, trend of artists that we're starting to see now. So that, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And it's so hard to have that balance. You know, it's something that they've tried for years and years and it's not easy to do. It's really not. I mean, I guess Mark Anthony did it. You know, he's from yeah. the Bronx and Romeo Santos, but like this new generation, it's it's hard. It's hard to strike that balance between, okay, I love Latin culture, but I'm born and raised here. So I prefer to sing, you know, I prefer to sing in English. Uh, Jessie Reyes, I think it's also like that. Obviously she's in Canada. Um, I, I also like the new generation coming from Argentina. I think it's so cool that they have this huge group of girls doing rap and, uh, and, and they're, they sound completely different and they look completely different from the people doing it here. I That's like Nikki Nicole a lot. Who are those girls? 
I love Nikki Nicole. I think she's oh, yeah, really yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think Kasu has mm -hmm. a lot of really good stuff too. And uh, and just the other day, I moderated a panel. These are not new artists, but but I'll just throw it out there. It was a women's panel, and and we had Mon Laferte, who I think is extraordinary. I I, I don't know if you guys have seen her live. She's so good. And uh, and we had Lali, and we have Patti Cantu and Francisca Valenzuela, and they're all from different Latin countries, and each of them is so kind of iconoclastic you know they all do things that are very different but what Nuria was saying they have like their it's like they have their they understand who they are and they put it into their music I've been obsessed lately with Gabriel Garzón Montano with his new stuff I, I guess I was familiar with him before but never really was into him but it seems like for this album he decided to sing in Spanish to do reggaeton, he said that, because uh, I've been, you know, once I get obsessed with an artist, I just go into a YouTube rabbit hole, you know. Um, <laughs> so he was saying in an interview that his, sus gustos, you know, the stuff he was listening to and that he liked wasn't matching up with the music he was making. So he's like, wait a minute, why am I making this like cerebral R&B or whatever? I really want to vibe, you know, with his other music and with his roots. And he's half Colombian, half French, born in Brooklyn. And I love that now he can switch gears and sing in Spanish. And now it's available or it's more accepted, you know, what we were saying, for people born and raised here to embrace their roots, to use their full name, sing in Spanish if they want. Or if, if not, you know, it's, it's fine too. But he's navigating this new identity mm -hmm. with, with this new art, uh, album, and he's just like super sexy and not in a traditional way. Um, so I'm really excited for his album that's dropping, I think, in October. Awesome. I had not heard of him, and I definitely will check him out. Uh, so uh, one thing is that we've already, you know, spoken about like so many different like already styles, variations of, of music coming from different you know, parts of the world, in Argentina, in Colombia, and I mean, Puerto Rico. Uh, and now that uh, we're uh, definitely like um, having more um, an eye globally on Latin music as professionals, in your professional opinion, uh, how does Latin music look like in the future? Um, I mean, I guess I can say, where do you envision it going five years from now? Five, a lot can change in five years, so I'm interested in hearing what you guys think. I think definitely something I'm seeing with Tiny, who you know came from reggaeton and is now trying to expand into pop, is whatever, whichever way it goes, we we shouldn't box these artists in into one genre. I think we Latin music itself is so diverse and so rich in so many different ways, you know. Um, Black roots and 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 so many other roots and and we we just have to be open to not putting these artists in a box when when they want to expand and and explore. Um, I'm really excited to see um, stuff like the collaborations with K-pop that are happening right now um, within Latin music and and just seeing you, you now that we're more global than ever. Who knows what the next musical collab will, will be, but um, definitely, I think we, we should be open to, to anything. I would love to see more attention put on other genres 
beyond uh, reggaeton and urban and trap. And uh, I, I say this with love. <laughs> I hate to say that, actually. <laughs> Scratch that. Um, well, I mean, like, I would love other genres to get onto the big playlist and not just have reggaeton dominate every single mm -hmm. uh, playlist. I think it's important to give other genres a chance. And uh, because there's really great stuff being done in, across the board, but a lot of it just gets buried. And reggaeton is produced at such a fast clip. I keep saying reggaeton, but I mean urban in general. You know, it's produced so quickly that it kind of smothers everything else. And, and so I, I hope that there are more of these artists that come from different genres also get a chance to shine, even as you have people like Tiny and Balvin. And, uh, you know, I love Osuna's new album, for example. I think it's a fantastic album. Uh, so that music is going to continue. I don't see that going anywhere because it's just, there's some really good stuff there. I mean, Bad Bunny has some really good things. Uh, Osuna has some really good things there. That's that's not going to go anywhere. But I would love to see others get like a big chance and see what happens, you know, and see if people accept it. At the end of the day, you know, people decide what they consume, but they have to be given the chance to hear it. Mm -hmm. I just hope Latin music continues to be mainstream, you know, because it's like mm -hmm. it's a cycle since the 1940s that we have hits, then attention is elsewhere, then again, Latin boom, Latin explosion, reggaeton. Come again, we're mainstream, we're here, we're global. Let's see our artists and our music in the mainstream award shows, in the mainstream playlist, you know, que no haya tanta división, que sea más fluido, just like the population is and, and musical tastes, you know, K-pop, reggaeton, I think it, it can all coexist. So I, I wish, you know, I hope that Latin music continues this trend as well as media attention and the industry matures and wakes up and doesn't consider us as niche. Yeah. And yeah. Isabella, I'd like to add something, if I may. This week, Wilbur debuted two new charts. We debuted a global chart. Mm -hmm. uh, and did I say this already? No, no. No, no. we haven't. Okay. Uh, uh, the other, <laughs> No, no, someone was asking me about this this morning in, uh, in, in something for, for a newspaper, but it was, we, so there's two global charts, one that includes the U.S. and one that's ex-U.S. Mm -hmm. And in the ex-U.S. one, Maluma is number one with Hawaii. So here, here you have a song in Spanish, it's not a collab, and it's mm -hmm. number one in the world. Oh, wow. And in the chart that includes the U.S., it's number four. And uh, Osuna is also in the top ten. So... Yes, you know, it's part of the fabric. Yeah. So this treating it always as the other is, is, I hope that that ends and that people understand, yes, it's in Spanish. So what? People still yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. And Cardi B is number one with WAP and she's Latina. I mean, yeah. she also represents the culture. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> yep. To add one more thing to that really fast, because everyone mentioned such amazing things. Um, I love what uh, Bad Bunny is doing with uh, gender and sexuality. So mm -hmm. I hope that there is more space to have those types of conversations, what Pablo Vitar is doing with the LGBT community in, in Brazil. So I, I really hope that we're able to see more of the artists from those backgrounds in the forefront. Yeah, no, those are all excellent points. And that's incredible with the uh, billboard, uh, billboard, the, the X chart. That's incredible that that 
that you guys can measure that like on a global scale right you know and have that it's like it's a fact you know <laughs> that's mm -hmm. really cool um, i do also want to give some room for questions uh from the chat room if we have any questions uh that anyone wants to ask these brilliant ladies okay my chat's not loading but anyways but the last question that i do have for you guys is what are your personal goals of uh as of now like what is you know you 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 all run like these powerful you, uh, platforms and you have a voice that is amplified so you have you hold the power <laughs> what is your goal how in in and what is important and how to use it well my goal is always to make latin music have the platform that I think it deserves. And I've been very fortunate in that they've really allowed me to to grow this platform there in, in, in Billboard. We really take Latin music extremely seriously. You know, we have a Latin music awards, we have all we have a whole foundation behind it. And I always want to grow it more. I always joke and say I want every cover to be Latin. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of. <laughs> you keep doing that, Lila. I will be cheering yeah. <laughs> every cover. So I I just want to to cover Latin music in a dignified and smart fashion because it doesn't mean saying everything is good, everything is great. No, no. I mean, there's room for it to be critical and to say this is better than that or or this deserves a different look. So I would say I want to give Latin music the platform it deserves, the respect it deserves. And, and thoughtful coverage. And very personally, I mean, I'm, I'm publishing the book. It's coming out on Penguin. I'm really excited about it. And uh, because it is a history of Latin music told through songs, which is fun. And I hope to do that. You know, I, that's what I would love to do all the time. You know, put out a book every two years would make me a very happy person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think same for me, just continuing to expand um, the storytelling within the industry continue to give artists the platform to be themselves. Um, I think, you know, I have a background in, in audio and podcasting and love to see um, Nuria's doing it, you know, to, to have more music, music um, stories infiltrate other, other places outside of web and continuing to do work that one day will have Latin music not be an afterthought and not being questioned and not being this thing where it's like still seen as an outsider thing when all of us have said it's very much been here for a very long time. Yeah, as an independent podcast producer, you know, what I love about the format is the long form storytelling, you know, crafting series and, and having that space to really tell our stories. And I would really love to delve into the history of Latin music because I feel like it is so popular now, but maybe there's not that historical, uh, you know, memory. So if I could connect those dots, you know, give context, tell untold stories or tell stories in a more thoughtful, uh, long form way, that, that would be my goal. I love it. I love it. So uh, for the last question that uh, I want to ask is what advice do you give uh, the creators? Like what are some of the things that you would tell a young creator barely starting to make music um, and going into the industry? What are some some thoughts that you want to share with them? Sorry, could you repeat that one more time? The 
for someone trying to go into music journalism? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so no, someone, uh, an art, an artist. For an artist trying to be in the music industry, an artist trying to become a musician, um, and as journalists, like, what are some of the tips that you would offer them? Well, I think persistence. You know, to really, it's easy to say, right? Do it out of passion, but. Uh, what I mean is not do it for the clicks or the views or the fame, but because it's a craft that it's a vital thing that you need to put out there. And if you do that and focus on the work, I think the rest will come. Yeah, I agree. Um, determination, perseverance, more than ever be yourself. We're, we're living a time where people like Lizzo and Billie Eilish are untraditionally like owning, you know, charts and, and names everywhere. So, you know, along with, with developing that, that great sound, really working on telling your story and, and again, like how you stand out. Yeah, I think everything Nodia and Jennifer said, I, I would completely repeat. Uh, the only thing I would add is, is uh, well, and you said it, Nuria, it's it's hard work. There's really no substitute for that. You hear of a lot of seemingly like over very quick uh, success stories. Those are so rare. Um, so I would just say you really have to stick it out and, and work really hard and it builds up and then finally it happens if you have the right sound. Yeah, look at Luis Fonsi with Despacito, even though he was huge and famous, you know, that came later in his career. Someone like Pedro Capó also working for so many yeah. years, then Canma came along. So at all levels, it's that hardworking ethic that's the most important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I love all of your insight. You ladies are really just killing the game right now. Um, I love every time that you publish a feature, that you, you know, you're putting artists into the spotlight, that you're really impacting Latin music and Latin culture. So I definitely do feel privileged to have this conversation with you all. I definitely look up to everybody here. And thanks so much for your time. And hopefully we reconnect soon after this. Thank you, Sabela. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sabela. Thank you so much. Thank you.